Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. In this episode, Riss, Babs, and MB talk about the Kemp versus Bottoms settlement discussions vis-a-vis mask mandates. We talk about COVID, the numbers, going to church during times of COVID. We talk about AOC versus Yoho. I really have no idea if that's how that representative's name is pronounced, but Y-O- H-O, and we talk about who might be Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. And of course, other things as well. Please listen and enjoy. This is a Walk in the Park podcast with Riss, Babs, and MB. Hello, everyone. Hi there. Hello. We have such a exciting, an exciting and interesting world to discuss. So oh, yeah, we'll, I don't know we'll that's exciting. <laughs> we'll just get started close to home, home being for us in Metro Atlanta, as I think most of the country, many people around the country are probably aware. Governor Brian Kemp sued Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms because he said she does not have the authority to circumvent his executive order and tell people in Atlanta that it is mandatory to wear masks. And what I heard was the court told them they had to mediate ahead of being in court. And so I have a quick update about that. If I'm correct. Yes. This this is an update from eight hours ago from the AJC's Political Insider blog, which said the uh, discussions, the settlement discussions hit a snag. It says both sides support Bottom's decision to emphasize that the city's phase one rules urging new economic limits are voluntary and not mandatory according to two senior officials who requested anonymity to discuss private negotiations. Okay, so that's interesting. Had you guys heard that this was voluntary, the phase yeah. one? Okay. I had yes. not. Okay, so she's just, she's recommending mm-hmm. that restaurants go back to phase one protocols like closing in, in service dining or in dining room service, eating in the restaurant. Right. And yet people are flipping out. I mean, if it's voluntary. (laughs) If it's voluntary, it's not a big deal. But I just don't think that people are uh, taking this too seriously. It's it's gone by the wayside. 
or paying close attention enough? What do you mean, which part aren't they taking too seriously? COVID in general or yeah. the math? Yeah, both. Yeah. All right, so it says, but deep divisions remain over whether bottoms can require masks within Atlanta's limits. It says state officials have agreed to allow cities to require masks on city property, but not beyond as part of the settlement offer. So I, I just think that's funny. Like, okay, just protect the people that work for the city. <laughs> Nobody else. Right. I don't know. That's right. interesting. And then... It says Atlanta officials want Kemp to remove a provision in his latest executive order that explicitly outlaws mask requirements, giving them leeway to require the use of masks anywhere within the city limits. And the governor's office has insisted that cities can't require masks on private property. And so, let's see, it said, Bottoms reached out to try to defuse the situation that was escalating. And yeah, they had a talk on Friday, I think it was, either Thursday or Friday, and um, the actual, the talk itself allegedly went very well. And that's why they agreed to meet, have a mediator on Tuesday. Now, I guess my question is, are they going to meet in person, or is he going to send a representative? Like, how does that work? Do they both have to show up? Um... I would assume they would because they'd get called yeah. out in the media possibly if they didn't, right. but it says they're going to meet on Monday okay. um, because they're due in court on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, they'll have to come in and report to the judge how the mediation went. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. So yeah, so mask mandates... Does it seem unreasonable that local government should have control over something like that in their jurisdiction? What say you, MB? Do you think it's reasonable? That I say it's reason. I say it's reasonable. I know. I can't. I kept reading things about how Kemp kept saying in response to questions about masks, "I'm not going to shut down the economy." Well, requiring people to wear masks doesn't shut down the economy. No, not at all. I mean, we've seen large stores are now requiring it. Kroger has started now. All the major stores. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard, I even read somewhere that starting August 1st, McDonald's is going to require masks. That makes sense. You know, I, I think that everybody's kind of going around this the wrong way. It's like, we're worried about public safety. And although... It's just like, why, why don't you just tell people, listen, if you're going to open up your restaurants or open up your businesses, you have to have protocols. And if you want to, you know, open up the economy, there have to be protocols. But the, the, the best way through this is to stay safe, social distance, wear a mask and wash your hands. And that's not hard. We're not asking anybody to, you know, get rid of their firearms. We're not asking anybody to... <laughs> Change. The slippery slope, Chris. That's next. I know, Your but mask, they're taking your gun. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a, it's this is not a constitutional right per se. No one's hurting you. We're just asking you to do the right thing, and no one's just been honest about it and just said it like that. It's always mandatory or this or that or one way or another. It's very black and white, and it doesn't have to be that way. It's just it should be more or less a plea from the top down. Well, I think, so what oh, I've heard, let me just add cities in particular, big cities, 
should really be on top of this. So it's always, it should always be like New York or Miami or Atlanta or Los Angeles. Like they should be anywhere you have to fly into or fly out of or whatever. Those are, you know, those are hot spots. I, yes, I saw this interesting, I guess it was a meme on Facebook and then somebody's commentary in the comment section of the person who shared it. I can't remember if we talked about this before, but it basically said, you know, we are told to wear a seatbelt. We're told to wear a bike helmet. We're told to, I forget what the other one was, but like these three things. They're like, stop complaining about wearing a mask. You know, right. it's just smart living. Right. But then the person in the comments pointed out, so the messaging has been like, when you wear a seatbelt, it's to protect yourself. When you wear a bike helmet, it's to protect yourself. People, the messaging around the masks is you're being told to wear a mask to protect other people, right? Oh. The messaging wasn't, which I said, I said that to makes me, sense. my thinking was, yeah, but okay, so I'm wearing a mask for you and then you're wearing a mask for me. So we're all wearing masks for each other. But I think some people have got it in their heads that like they're being told to do something that benefits others and not themselves. And then you just think about, well, doesn't that make you selfish if you're right. not willing to do something to help somebody else out? Right. But again, not, not hard. It's not like we're asking you to donate, you know, your first child to a cause or something. We're just asking you to put on a mask. And even just perhaps for a very specific period of time, like not indefinitely, like masks will now be required in perpetuity. Right. And we do see other areas making accommodations that go beyond masks like mb you were going to tell us kind of about how church services have been going during times of covid they've been my church has been online the whole time yeah the whole time and we were supposed how do you to, feel about that we were supposed to go back july we were supposed to go back july 12th but our pastor said it's it wasn't worth it okay and how big is your church approximately? Do you go to one of the very big churches where there's hundreds and hundreds of people no. at the same time? Or is it a smaller church? It's a smaller church. Okay. But as we know, churches are indoor services mm-hmm. for usually at least an hour, right? Yep. Yes. So. And then you have I, small group classes. Hmm. Which, small group, but again, probably inside, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So do you feel you're losing any sense of community doing stuff online? Would you rather be going to church in person, or are you okay with what's happening right now? I'm okay with what's happening right now. Yeah, me too. I don't like waking up early on Sundays. (laughs) That's right. Isn't it easier to commune with God if you can do so on your couch in your pajamas? Yes. With my coffee. It's delightful. Think about it. Doesn't it just take away a lot of um, the pretense, I'll say? And by that I mean, and this is very generalized, but, you know, people get dressed up to go to church because they maybe somehow feel like if they don't, people will judge them. Or, you know, they feel like, oh, in the house of God, we have to be dressed. But really, shouldn't everybody believe that God is just around you everywhere all the time? Yeah. He doesn't really care what you're wearing. He's omnipresent. Omnipresent. <laughs> is that how you say it? Yes. Um, well, so, 
Okay. And I think we mentioned before, like a, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but kind of one of our big mega churches here, uh, the head of that ministry, North Point, said that no in-person services for the rest of the year. Makes sense. So I haven't, uh, yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll see you, maybe it's been a while here in Georgia since we've heard of any breakouts coming from churches. I think it was in the beginning, but not. not right. So speaking of which, what has anybody looked at our COVID numbers recently? They spiked considerably last week here in Georgia. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at yesterday. But I don't know what regions. I didn't take a look at that particularly. Like, was it, you know, Atlanta or was it outlying regions? I know our area in particular has been hit pretty hard. Yeah, that data we could probably find in the Fulton County Epidemiology Report. The site I use, worldinfometers or worldometers.info, doesn't get down to the county level. But like yesterday in the U.S., there were 78,009 new cases. There were 1,141 new deaths. And we have a total number of cases, 4,248,327, of which 2,071,763 are still active. So that's like about half of the cases wow. are still active and half are um recovered a little less that's a little less than half because then of course you have to factor in the deaths but yesterday let's see if i look at yesterday i'll just do a quick sort new cases georgia was fourth behind florida california and texas so that's not good mm. we had 4,813 new cases uh they said 82 people died yesterday wow where here Yes, in Georgia. That seems high. Yeah. I mean, relative to what I thought we had been trending. Right. At. Um, all right. So I haven't done the math recently, but yeah, okay. We're up to 161,401 cases. And hang on, let me go to the last time I looked at the data. So that would have been on... Friday, July 24th, I guess. And on Thursday, July 23rd, Georgia had 156,588 cases with a positivity rate of 10.15%. Oh. So, hmm, which I guess obviously is obvious from the math when I tell you how many new cases we had. Right. But, okay, so Georgia is not doing doing great. We're trending upward and we're above the national average. The positivity rate across the U.S. is a little over 8%, just under 8.1%. Wow. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. It affects right. a lot of, a lot of things and obviously things that we can continue to talk about in depth. But as we know, COVID not really going in the right direction here. Nope. Um, as many other things in the country are not. MB, you are going to give us an update on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and this representative Yoho from Florida. I mean, there's just so many things wrong with that name. 
Yep. Yeah, so, SMB? so on Thursday, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gave a gave a speech on the floor talking about the sexism in the GOP. And this was that's, a, that's from, all I can remember. Right, but this was stemming from the incident where the Republican congressman from Florida, Ted Yoho, I guess can't, I can't. I mean, Yoho, 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 Y O H O, Yahoo. I know. I was gonna say that, but you know, I was like, oops, that's actually a search engine. Um, he supposedly on Wednesday, let's see, spoke in front of the House and said, quote, this is from an article in the New York Times um, by Luke Broadwater, quote, I rise today to apologize for the abrupt manner of the conversation I had with my colleague from New York, Mr. Yoho said. It is true that we disagree on policies and visions for America, but that does not mean we should be disrespectful. And then he is denying that he called her the B word with the F word in front of it. He claims the offensive name calling words attributed to me by the press were never spoken to my colleagues. And if they were construed that way, I apologize for their misunderstanding. So, and Ocasio-Cortez has said that Mr. Yoho was lying when he described their interaction as a quote, conversation. She said, it was a verbal assault. This is not an apology. Hmm. Yeah, she gave a whole speech. I watched, I watched the whole speech. I went back and I rewatched it. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about it. How did you, what, what can you share? What were your impressions? She was, She was kind. Of, she was upset that this happened to her. She had a bunch of her freshman members give speeches with her on Thursday morning. Oh, okay. So, did she have any calls to action? That things that she expected or hoped to see change, she, or she introduced a privilege resolution. Oh. I have no idea what that is. What is what? What is that? I don't. I don't remember exactly what it says. I'm gonna have to go back and find it. What is a privilege resolution? I'm curious. Uh, is a concurrent resolution providing for an adjournment? No, wait. That's privilege of resolution. Huh. All right. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to see. What she, what she introduced. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I I had heard some people were calling. For, I got some bad news. Has died. That's sad. Beach. He's been around for like how old was he? Wait. God bless him. What? We're jumping around. <laughs> Who died? Regis Philbeck. Oh. Regis. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway, right. do we know what a privilege resolution is? No, I just, it's just nothing. I mean, 
According to Gov, there's privilege of resolution. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. Let me see. Maybe it's what did AOC introduce on Thursday? Let's see if that. Let's see how much Google knows about that. Uh, nope. I don't see anything here. Let's see. Here's another article. War remarks. Hmm. No. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. It says what she did. So, okay, well, we'll just keep moving on up the chain. And if we find out anything else about AOC, uh, we can circle back to that at a future time. But really, do you guys know what today is? Uh, no. Thank you. <laughs> today marks 100 days until the historic November 3rd election. Oh, okay. To reelect Donald Trump or choose former Vice President Joe Biden. We've got our countdown. 100 days. Oh, boy. I feel like I should have a special calendar or timer set up for that. Yeah, right? This is related to COVID. Keisha Lance Bottom was on, was on, to, on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and she was talking about the lawsuit with Brian Kemp. Huh. Yes. Uh, I wonder yes. if this is the start of, I wonder if this is the start of her second career. Yeah, right. Well, it's interesting that you should say that because we also know maybe her second career will be as vice president nominee on the ticket with Biden. Right. Except MB, you sent, you shared a very interesting article with us about some woman who is a representative, Democratic representative from the state of California named Karen Bass. She's the Congressional Black Caucus Chair. Right. And she's also from California, like Kamala Harris, I believe. Yes. So, yes. yes. So I was, I was surprised when you sent that article. Did it surprise you when you found it? Yes. Have you ever heard of Karen Bass? I've heard, I've started, I've heard about her. No, that's because you pay much more careful attention. Yeah. I, I never, I'd never heard of her. And I read the article you sent and I have to say, I don't like the article. Now, <laughs> well, I don't, you like. I don't like her because I don't know her, but just the way the article was written and like what it was touting about her is not what I support. So the article, for example, which was in Politico said, she's a politician who cringes at having her picture taken and is content to let other grab headlines. She repeatedly had to be dragged into taking risks to elevate her political career. In many ways, Karen Bass is the anti Kamala Harris. And I don't like that because I feel like it's trying to put forward this idea that women who don't speak up for themselves or who aren't strong and powerful and forceful are a better choice. 
and I don't think this woman should even be under consideration. So I don't know why the Biden campaign is actually even. Maybe that's the reason why they like her because she won't get in his way. But I don't like that. Okay, well, I mean, you're not in charge of the Biden campaign, so I don't know. But as we know, I probably should be. <laughs> you laugh, but you've told me I should run this country on more than one occasion. I have. I know. I just think it's, I just think it's bad. I mean, I just, uh, it, also, I mean, to Maybe your point. she's just, I mean, well, what, you know, what's her track record? I don't know anything about this woman. I got to just do a little research because. Maybe she's actually very good at what she does. Is she a lawyer? That's first priority. No, she is not. Uh, then you have to take her off the ticket. You I would that. take her off the table for that alone. She is a former physician assistant and nurse. Oh. She's served in the California State Assembly from 2004. No, she was first majority floor leader of the California State State Assembly from 2006 to 2008. And then she, but before that, she was California State Assembly member. And then in 2011, she started running for political office. Hmm. Yes, I just feel like you already have a minority female candidate from California who has been nationally vetted and herself was running for president. And I just feel that introducing somebody like Karen Bass into the consideration just sends a very mixed message about what you actually care about. And um, so one of the things that the article in Politico said as well said, Bass lacks the political operation and national network of top rivals for the job, but she's also made clear that like Biden, she could be viewed as a transitional figure in the Democratic Party who currently harbors little interest in seeking the White House herself when he leaves office. Hmm. What, how does that help us? And by us, I mean the Democratic Party. She has no power play. She's just in it to make changes. Yeah, but in four years when Biden can't run for re-election because he's either dead or just actually now considered old as dirt, she's saying she won't run so the Democrats will lose the advantage of having an incumbent. I mean, that's what happened in 2016 when Biden didn't run. Then they didn't have an incumbent. So I think that's selfish. I think it's selfish for them to put her on the ticket if she really, and of course she could change her mind, but I would be more interested in somebody that actually... Um, is interested in having the job and not somebody that was kind of talked into it. Right. That's just me personally. Um, and also, just a little tidbit, again, from the article. So she does have an interesting um, background, of course, in times like this, you know, with healthcare. And I believe the article also talked about how she grew up, you know, in the civil rights era and had a family that was very involved in the civil rights movement. Um, and the article said, Bass was a young organizer who went into healthcare and then founded a community group that worked to shut down or convert liquor stores in South Los Angeles. She what? tried to take alcohol away from the people, Marissa. That, that is right there, that shut it down. Shut it down, shut it down. 
Just saying. Okay, I'm done. I'm good. Moving Boom. on. Boom, Moving done. On. We're Boom, done. done. That's right. Okay, MB, what else do you have for us in politics? Anything else you want to want to John Ossoff. John Ossoff's wife tested positive for the coronavirus. Aww. Right, I did. I read that she she is in. But she's a doctor. So she'll be fine. Wow. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I heard that a little earlier today. And so John Ossoff has also now gotten tested and is awaiting his results. Okay. Oh my I'm, goodness. I'm ready for the Democratic Convention. You are? Yeah. I, when is I, it? And is it still like, when is it? August 17th to the 20th. Oh boy, I wonder if they're going to hold it. They're supposed to do it. Yeah, they were always virtually. doing it virtually, basically. Oh, this is going to be so weird. Yeah. I mean, for us, will it be? Because we just watch it on TV anyway. True. It's true. They just won't have anybody cheering them on. But they can just put fake people, fake posters oh, in the yeah. crowd. Well, and, we know how that's been how that's roll, working you know, with baseball. Just have a, a laugh track or an applause track going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. That's kind of the world of politics right now. I guess, did you guys also see that Trump, after the whole pain in the butt thing, you know, in Jacksonville, yeah. decided, oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Just right. Like so funny. Like, he makes such a big deal that the North Carolina governor wouldn't let you come and have your big convention crap in his state. Right. You go around and you try to find these other red states that will let you do it. And then you finally settle on Jacksonville in Florida, like the new hot spot, and then you end right. up changing your mind. Right. A lot of wasted energy that could have been avoided by just having some common sense. Well, it seems like he's uh, backpedaling now with COVID. Um, he's starting to take it seriously only because he's got to get reelected. So, and there is a little bit of that going seen, on right now. Or, does anybody know, or has anybody seen, like, or read that his supporters are now backpedaling as well? You know, the people all along that have been supporting him and claiming, oh, it's not a problem. Now, because he's acknowledging it is a problem, are they now on the it's a problem bandwagon? I'd be curious to. Yeah. Learn about that personally. I'd like to read up a little bit on that. Anywho, I will pay attention to that. Are you guys yeah. still going to Florida? We'll see. We'll see. We're keeping our fingers crossed. It may be a last minute decision. I'm still waiting for my friend who's there. I think she's probably coming back today or tomorrow. I didn't want to bug her on her vacation, but I'm going to debrief with her and uh, ask her how she thought it was. I mean, I've heard, I've seen some of her posts on Facebook, so I think she feels, well, I don't know. She feels good enough about it to be posting it on Facebook, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people who went. Absolutely wouldn't. Right. No, yeah, I'm not going to make that. I'm just trying to, college. yes, all my personal, all my personal decisions private. Yep. But, anyhow. All right, so entertainment. We were gonna kind of wrap up with a little entertainment news as well. 
What do you have for us there, MB? Well, we I said started... before that Regis just passed away. Oh, yeah. Okay, Regis, Philbin. Mm -hmm. Who hosted it live with... Who hosted it live with Kelly Ripa? Ripa. Right. Yeah. For a number of years. Was he sick? Did he have like cancer or something? No, he died from natural causes. Yeah, he was always in pretty good shape. I don't think he ever got very sick in his life. Do any old people die from natural causes? You mean like he literally just fell asleep and didn't wake up? Maybe. Otherwise, yeah. you have to die from something. Heart attack, stroke, car accident. I didn't think there were any more natural causes, death. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. He hosted right. live, and then who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I know who, I obviously know who he is, but I never watched any of his programming, so. Um, but anywho, all right, so you were saying you started something, MB? I started watching Homeland. I'm not done with the first episode yet. Pretty intense, huh? Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I started it and said, nah. Oh, okay. So you're not going to continue it? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that just might be just very intense. And I think it only gets worse oh, in boy. terms of intensity. I mean, it's a very highly regarded show. I think it's won a bunch of awards. And of course, the lead actress, Claire Danes, is considered one of the... Oh, she's in now. Okay, now I know what show you guys are talking about. Yeah. And she's very highly regarded. I mean, I think a number of people in the industry consider her to be one of the best, you know, right. actors of her generation. Um, so so what, do you, what else are you going to take a look at then, MD, for TV entertainment? I don't know yet. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I told you about that funny show. If you want a sitcom, the show Superstore, starring America Ferreira. Right. Yeah. That show is funny. <laughs> I watch an episode or two every once in a while. It has five seasons so far, and they're... I think I read their last episode of the fifth season. They didn't get to film because of COVID. So they'll do that. And then they're supposed to start a sixth season, maybe sometime this fall. Yeah. Some production is going to start taking place here in Atlanta uh, within the next month or so. Yeah, that should be interesting. So we'll see how the entertainment industry rebounds. I have not looked to see. You know, I feel like in the next couple of weeks, yeah. we'll line up, right? Right. And, and Disney has pushed their movies back out further, like Avatar 2, Mulan. That was funny, I think, MB, that tweet you shared where somebody was like, James Cameron announces, you know, Avatar 2 release pushed to December, whatever, 2021, and then announces like three other Avatars, three, four, five, when nobody even cares about the second. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, my there God. are some people who say that was a brilliant movie, and then there are some people who say, I don't even know what that was all about. I never saw it, so I don't know. I mean, I saw it way back when, when it came out, and I feel like 
what it was known for was its CGI at the time. Right, right, right. Visually um, appealing. I don't recall that the storyline was anything amazing or noteworthy or anything like that. But of course, it did get itself a Disney ride that people would stand an hour line for for like three to four hours to ride on. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) Well, not anymore. You can go there and probably get right to the head of the line, right? Uh, there's still lines, but there'll be six, six feet behind you, six feet in front okay. of you. But yeah, okay. I do think, I'm sure there are fewer people at Disney right now than, oh, yeah. than normal, but yes, that's, that's okay, I guess. Oh my gosh, I wanted to talk, I think I was telling you guys about this book I'm reading, White Trash, the 400-year untold history of class in America by Nancy Eisenberg. But now I'm almost too tired. I may have to dedicate a special episode just to that. I mean, oh. I'm highlighting this book. Can you see all wow. my highlights? Wow. It's That's so a, fascinating. Well, give us just the highlight, just uh, like the overview. Okay. Well, I like it because it gives the history of um, poor white trash in this country. Okay. And so it starts back, you know, obviously in pre-colonial times. Um, And one of the things, and then it traces the trajectory of how um, really America has played out its class society and how much of it we took from the UK, really. And this whole idea in the founding fathers just that really what they couldn't stand was idleness and like lazy people. And if you weren't a hard worker, you know, then you were considered a garbage person, a waste. Hmm. And also, I mean, you guys have heard over the years, right? I had always learned that Australia was um, Great Britain's penal colony. That's where they dumped all their criminals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same with the U S So we have this idea, you know, that the people that came over here are are these amazing people who were fleeing religious persecution and yada, yada. And of course, that was some of it. But really, a lot of the people like Great Britain rounded them up, put them on ships, the homeless, the vagabonds, the criminals, the petty thieves. And we're basically like, we don't want you over here polluting our country. So go over there and do some work for us and send us back some money. And if you're too lazy to work, well, at least you'll die over there. Oh, okay. That's nice. <laughs> That's interesting. I Yeah, I would like to read that book. Isn't that just fascinating? Yeah. And how did you come across this book? Gosh, you know, I don't, I might, maybe I read about it, like, because I read different book reviews and things like that. I've actually had this for a few years. It came out in 2016, and I actually brought it on one of our seaside trips and was going to start reading it then, and it took oh. me this long. It was just sitting somewhere, and I was like, huh, let me take let me take a look at that. Um, and it's funny because there was this, so preface to the paperback edition, which is what I'm reading, and it starts off by saying, this book was originally published in the middle of the contentious 2016 presidential election season. Hmm. And so she wrote this preface just to tie it into um, 
how we ended up with Trump, kind of. Oh, <laughs> so gotcha. That was super interesting. Um, but yeah, I was really just fascinated by kind of the founding fathers and the and Benjamin Franklin and really how they just thought, um, you know, that a lot of people here in this country were basically waste people. Uh, huh. And that's also how we started sending people out west. That I had kind of remembered because like the East Coast didn't want these like poor white trash people in their societies. And so they were basically like, yeah, go out, go out there, you know, don't live around us. And huh. uh, that makes sense. Interesting. Like, let's see. Uh, the introduction says, in the most literal terms, as we shall see, British colonists promoted a dual agenda. One involved reducing poverty back in England and the other called for transporting the idle and unproductive to the new world. After settlement, colonial outposts exploited their unfree laborers, indentured servants, slaves, and children, and saw such expendable classes as human waste. Okay. I know. Yeah. And then, of course, when you get to the Civil War, then it starts getting very interesting. And I will just, I will end on this, because obviously it's a, it's a lengthy book, and I can't talk about it for too long because that won't be interesting to you guys but I will say the interesting thing about slavery was so as we all know the southerners seceded from the union because they wanted to maintain a system of slavery and the northerners did not and really it is connected to this northern ethos of we don't like lazy idle people and Northerners thought of Southerners as lazy, idle people because they had slaves doing all their work for them. Right. And it's that like, you should be getting up and getting out and doing your own work. You're bringing down the race because you're being idle and lazy and they think those things are genetically imprinted on you and hmm. then therefore passed to future generations, which don't even get me started on that, how that ties into the whole eugenics movement Okay. Of the early 20th century and how scary it is, like how many people like President Theodore Roosevelt, you know, promoted eugenics and Oh my God. Our history is a scary, scary place. I will yeah. tell you that much. And like, yeah, so it's just super, super interesting. And just also to see wow. how the Democrat what we know to be our modern day Democratic and Republican parties have evolved over time. Yeah. And who I find thought that fascinating? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, it's like things just always, always have shifted, and it's just kind of highlighting what we still see to this day, where you know, one side thinks something, and maybe that gets them ahead, and then the other side's like, "Oh, that's what's working now, so let us become like that," and then the other right. side does something else because they don't want to be like the other people. Right. And it's just this whole. It's a mess. Yes, I was going to say, it's this whole interesting mess. But um, but one thing that isn't a mess, I'm going to throw it back to you, MB, to give us kind of the update on uh, the great John Lewis, who, as we discussed in our previous special episode, sadly, passed away on July 17th at the age of 80. Six di- updates for us there, MB, right? About John Lewis? Six days, uh, yeah, yeah. Six days of memorial service. 
six wow. days of celebration of life ceremonies are starting. They start it today. Oh, and wow. he's supposed to he's supposed to lay in the Capitol Rotunda Monday and Tuesday. Then his funeral is gonna be Thursday. And okay. so today he's in Alabama, right? He's where he was born in Troy, Alabama. I think I read. Yes. And he's making yes. his way to Selma. Um, Across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Right, for which some people are trying to get a, a movement going to rename it to like the John Lewis Freedom Bridge. Yep. Um, all right, so he's starting in Alabama. And we know he's coming to Atlanta, but he, I think Atlanta, it must be Alabama, then maybe Washington, D.C., and ending in Atlanta, since this is where he's going to be buried. Hmm. So, yes, so that's interesting um, what they would, what some people would refer to as his homegoing services. Right. Right. That's a very Southern thing, I think. Um, you know, being a northerner and going to church up north, nobody called when you passed away, you know, that it was a home going. No, 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 no. I guess no. We're, we're less religious up there. No, I'm just I don't kidding. know. I, I I've no just never of heard that. of that. Yeah. I have no proof of that, but I will. Can I say something? And I really, uh, I shouldn't say this. I'm recording. I'll tell you guys after. Okay. All right. It. It has something to do about New Jersey and oh, okay. out of my white trash book, and it's very funny. Okay. But it might be too offensive to put in the podcast. Oh. Okay. Oh. All right. So let's say bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at a wit Podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at a wit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park Podcast. We'd love to hear from you.